Um, I don't have the sound of a... This is not going to make any kind of sense. It's already open. That is the plastic on plastic noise of a bottle of Wawa. Lemon iced tea. A uh, half gallon. Uh, some of it was shared with my family. The rest is for me. I am drinking out of the bottle through this podcast. I'm Jesse from the internet, and tonight I am in the city of Philadelphia. Because I'm on vacation with family. Uh... And we've been on somewhat of a vacation from the Vroom Vroom podcast because the Vroom Vrooms of Formula One have been on vacation themselves. Um, that, that is all well and good. We're going to dive into the second half of the Formula One season uh, with the rest of the Vroom Vroom crew, uh, which includes uh, Lily from the Internet doing a dance. So Lily from the <laughs> Internet is here. Hi, Lily. How are you? Hi, Jesse. Oh, you said how am I? I'm I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Lily, first time as Lily on this show, so welcome. Uh, Welcome to the name. Welcome to the name. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the name. Yes. Uh, Also, keeping her name uh, from last time she was here to this time that she's here is Addie from the internet. Addie, hello. From room. And that laugh that you hear with us, as she so often is. Jack of all trades around here. Brett from the internet. Brett, how are you? I'm good. Much like Fernando Alonso, you cannot get rid of me. <laughs> and much like Fernando Alonso, don't want to. Aww. Was, uh, Fernando Alonso was, in, was mentioned in the song that I was working with to try to put together a, a theme that um, my family uh, all thought was bizarre. Um, <laughs> oh, it, it was actually. Fernando Alonso is in Charlie X- XCX's Vroom Vroom. Um, I love that. Are you kidding me? The, I is he in like, the music video? No, no. He, he's dropped in a lyric. Are you kidding me? I, I feel like... You were the know, one who suggested it, weren't you, Addie? I sure was. And I'm like a Charlie stan, but I never knew that he. I, I guess I've never oh, fucking man. listened to the lyrics closely <laughs> enough of Room Room. Oh my god, that's delightful. And and does weirdly give credence to the whole um, Taylor Swift dating Fernando Alonso, like non-rumor rumor. It just it just makes it feel more plausible somehow. Bubblegum um, pink Ferrari, yeah, I'm so bossy, speeding like Alonzo just to crash your party. I don't think she's talking about Pete. Uh, Probably not, no. That's so chic of her. We should get her on the pod. I love her. So chic, so stylish. I love it. She would date an F1 driver before Taylor would, and I'm a Swifty. I don't well, say that no, derogatorily, but, but no, she would. She Absolutely. Um, although, I will say... Um, Taylor has gone through her share of, of Europeans, so. I mean, certainly. But as we've discussed on the podcast, and I think it was, in fact, Daniel Ricardo who said that if Taylor Swift was dating an F1 driver, it wouldn't be Fernando Alonso. I, no, like, I mean, that's true. It would be Danny is, is the reality. It would be Danny. That's like, honestly like, so fucking true. It would be Danny. Da- wow. Danny's basically just the less train wrecky version of all of the like poor life choices that she has made historically. And I say this with love. Again, I am also 
and and Mother. who among us have not made us poor, have not made poor life choices uh, in regards to men. So there you go. I've, I mean, I personally, I've never. Well, you know what? You are you are ahead of the game, <laughs> I, my friend. I can't make poor life choices in men, thankfully. I mean, I don't recommend it. So no, I feel I like you're, you're on a good path avoiding that particular. Lesbianism is, uh, is, is a good way to avoid uh, uh, being let down by men. Because lesbianism is an underrated cure. <laughs> because cis men are the, are the strongest evidence for sexual orientation not being an active choice you could possibly ask for. Yeah, there's a case here that just um, the choice of men is uh, where you first start to go down the, the wrong path. Right. Just. Well, anyway, let's talk about some boys. Am I right? I want to start by saying that I would like baseball players. Major League Baseball players, American Baseball players, to be clear. Um, I would like baseball players to observe the Instagram content of the Formula One drivers from their summer break and, like, take a lesson. Uh, I I want fewer dead animals and and more dramatically jumping off a yacht in the Mediterranean. Oh, I mean, the summer break – okay, so – Obviously, this is, you know, my first my first silly season as a real live F1 fan. And it has not been silly. It has not been silly at all. And I have to say, I remain none – it's kind of great, right? Like now my bar for silly season is really low. Like I can get through a break on Instagram content alone right. because like they always do, they brought it. Like – George and Daniel running into each other. <laughs> like, come on. Like, at the club. <laughs> right. Right. And and the, the competing uh, French, or at least Francophone, uh, like, casually groping their friends on a yacht. Like, just oh my all God, of it them was deciding so to for every content. I love it. I love it. It was beautiful. It was like... It was it was a very homoerotic break, I would have to say. Yeah, I, and I'm not mad at that. No, it was fantastic. I can't wait. I saw a video the other day of um, Charles and Pierre like coming up, to, like Charles coming up to Pierre after a race, and the, oh it was like a fan cam like zoomed in on the way <laughs> that Charles was like lightly touching Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are Charles and Pierre like uh, supercuts of just like a long string of them being inseparable and like oh my god each other in the paddock. Like it's Love giving it. a little bit. Um, <clears throat> wow, that, this is like so embarrassing. I really should know. It was Harry and Liam that we all knew were definitely dating in one direction, right? Lily, <laughs> I think you're the only one who might be able to help oh, me yeah, answer this. I, I uh, okay, this trip has. Really, I was never a one. I, I that right. was 
The show has no. I know who Harry is. is. Right. I yeah. Mean, I, there's I can give you that. Are. So, all right. Um, I was a really diehard directioner at one point, and it. I have to say, it's the closest feeling I have to being a Formula One fan so far in my life. Like, I, I watch videos of like the One Direction boys like lightly touching each other. <laughs> 10 years ago, you know, and the top comment on the video was like, it looks like they're going to kiss through the helmets. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow, it feels so good to be back, actually. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I will say that. The thing I appreciate about Silly Season 2 is the fact that they're like, what? You want us to give you a deadline? No, no. We're just going to do weird shit whenever we feel like it for the rest of forever. Like We're going to do weird shit whenever we feel like it for the rest of forever. And I think that that should be how it is in every sport. Similarly, I would like Major League Baseball. And the... It would be... It would be the it would be awful, but also the funniest shit ever if like the last week of the season, suddenly like the four teams still in contention in each league are like frantically trading for players from every other team that has just dropped out of contention. That like clearly they weren't selling a month and a half earlier, but now now I can get Shohei Otani okay. for a good price. Like, All right, hear me out. <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like we're, we might be about to go down a similar route, Jesse. I'm um I'm feeling I literally had that thought about the Mets yesterday. I was like, God damn it, we should be able to trade. Here we go. I'm in a really delusional place about the Mets, you guys. I feel crazy. I <laughs> do like actively losing. <laughs> oh yeah, there. Uh- They've still got another week or so, I think, before the real fake comeback begins for the Mets. Um, <laughs> the so real fake comeback. Even closer. Uh, yeah, what I want to <laughs> see is, like, give me some give me some of this agency for the players. Where, like, with, you know, two weeks to go in the season, Aaron Judge is like, you know what? Fuck this. I should have signed with the Giants last year, and right. I'm going now. Fuck this you, team. Go to California. Y'all suck. I'm taking Garrett Cole Deuces. with me. Garrett <laughs> <laughs> Cole. Feel bad saying that because I am one of like three people on the planet that would not walk into traffic if that happened. But <laughs> I mean, I think Garrett Cole is fun because he sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> You know, I love him. I, I love him. Instagram did make me Instagram like force fed me Garrett Cole content enough that one day I was like, okay, he's funny. I get <laughs> All it. All right, fine. He's funny. He's very I'm- funny. So that's how I feel about him now. I'm like, fine. He's funny. <laughs> he's funny in. In a way that is more endearing than it would be if you had to be around him every day, I think. Uh, yeah. My, so He's Garrett funny Cole, in the ADHD way. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, look, not to arm her diagnose, but like, look, we know, I we find our people, okay? Um, 
<laughs> just saying. But I also, he, and this is such a weird comparison, but I think you'll get what I'm saying. He reminds me of Nick Swisher. In the, in the sense, okay, and I say this as someone who loves Nick Swisher, so so take it in in that framing. He's just a lot. Like, he's just a lot, a lot as a person. Maybe Hunter Pence is a better comparison. Again, I I love Hunter Pence desperately, but, like, just a lot, a lot as a person. That Yeah, I, I can absolutely see how being around them all the time would be like, can you please, like, can you please not? <laughs> I think that all three of those guys share a, a common thread of a self-awareness that is uncommon among professional athletes, yeah. but not necessarily the same kind of self-awareness um, that, say, the four of us have that includes a lot of self-doubt. <laughs> right. It's, it's self-awareness combined with the fact that you are one of the 500 best people on the fucking planet at a given so, thing. Right. Yeah. It's like, so then it's like, Sure. I guess you don't have to live with the crippling self-doubt. You're right. you. You don't, you don't have to second guess yourself. You can just be fucking weird and get paid millions Imagine. of dollars to do it. That's amazing. Okay, something I have to I, I have to say is um I I don't think that Max Verstappen feels that way. And that's part of what I think is really interesting about Max Verstappen is that I think he has the self-doubt. Like, I think he is so traumatized by his oh, own father. 100%. 100%. He has – he does not – he has the self-awareness and the crippling belief that if he doesn't win the race, his dad is going to, like, leave him. Well, it's it's the difference between Garrett Cole and Tim Lincecum, right? Because – Again, self-awareness, Garrett's a weird dude. He clearly knows that and has leaned into it and doesn't care because he's fucking Garrett Cole. Tim Lincecum, also weird dude in a different way, but weird dude. But very much always got the sense that he had that, you know, civilian kind of level of doubt. And he similarly weird stage dad. There's a complicated relationship there, not to the degree that it is with Max, but like, again, complicated relationship there, like, the stakes feel very high. So there's definitely, there's an overlap there. Well, our, our project for this evening, we discussed via a text thread some time ago, um, which was, I'll say it, I'll break the news. The alignment chart of the F1 drivers. We recently did an alignment chart of mascots, which was really fun. It was. Um, and that has led us here. It's and, led us here. Yeah, and so here we are. So it's led I, us to a dark place. I um yeah, I actually do feel like it's quite dark, I have to say. I went back and I looked at who I had said as my like initial first thoughts for this on July 31st. So some time ago, it's now August 22nd. So three weeks ago. And I disagree with like every single one that I said. I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the hell? Like this makes literally no sense. I said Charles oh was lawful good. 
That does oh, not no. ring true for me at all. Teams. Teams is a teams is almost a funnier exercise to an extent. Teams is a funny exercise, actually. We can do both. Because yeah, I don't think that for teams. Right. The challenge can, with the drivers. Play. The challenge with the drivers is that they're all a little crazy. So, like, you, you there is a yeah. minimum level of chaotic and evil required yeah. to do that for a living. So, like, it gets a little a little funky. The teams have like very much of their own weird personalities. That okay, kind of teams I think is a good. That. Teams I think is actually a good way to go. That that feels like we can kind of get more into the vibes, and we can talk about the boys, or we can sort of place them. But it is true that basically, as I'm looking, my my feeling is that it's just like there's no no one is lawful, <laughs> you know. Right. The, the closest you get to lawful is like I don't know, like George probably. Yeah, I had George's lawful evil, which I was like kind of true. See, I would have said I, I mine would have been I would have said Lewis is lawful good. I, I, I no, I don't think he is. I don't think he's that. Right, I think he's before. probably more like neutral good. Before we dive into this, uh, just for a refresher for anybody who is not familiar with the concept of alignment charts, you've got true neutral is in the middle, and then to the sides of that are good and evil, and you've got lawful uh, to another side and chaotic. Uh, so you have you know, ranging from lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful evil, and so on, uh, to chaotic good, chaotic neutral, chaotic evil, and then there's think, think uh, neutral good, true neutral, and uh, neutral evil. Those are our, those are the nine. And I think that for our um, for our purposes, I think it is a good idea to just uh, maybe go uh, as we want to discuss, not, not necessarily go box to box uh, because yeah, there's not a whole lot of lawful in F1. Uh, um, <laughs> I think that that's okay. you know, that that's a key I, part of the sport is trying to be as close to. I, I will say though, you could make an argument for Williams. Yeah. yeah. Like that's probably part of why they're not very good. Like, let's be real. That's part of it's that they don't have a lot of money, but part of it's like you know, very um, British. It was a family company for a very, very, very long time. Like. Yeah, I, I will. I'd like to throw this out there because it was something that I wanted to, to bring up from outside the F1 world of Bruins. And it was NBC's coverage of uh, Watkins Glen over the weekend. And also to bring, if there is a lawful good in F1, this is going to be weird, but I think it's ESPN. And I'll get to why in a second. <laughs> okay. But, NBC for for Watkins Glen Road Course NASCAR had they covered it uh, what they called and what really is radio style. They had actual announcers uh, at different spots of the track passing to each other uh, throughout the course of the race to be able to say live what was happening, and they were able to in that way you know take you through the field, tell you all sorts of different stories throughout the day. Um, have Dale Earnhardt Jr. think multiple times that someone was going to crash, and they go, oh, no, it's a great save! Um, <laughs> it's so great, because I, I love, li- like, 
I love listening to Dale Jr. for one thing because like he was awesome at doing it, and he still has the energy and enthusiasm for auto racing. But like the difference of having your announcers out and around the track rather than calling what they are seeing from in the TV control room or however it is that these guys do it um, makes such a difference. The other thing, if you didn't see it, um, the NASCAR Cup Series race at Watkins Glen was absolute garbage and a complete four. The best thing about it was that there was only one caution flag. It was when Chase Elliott uh, ran out of gas in the middle of the track right after passing the pit road entrance. You can see the Sunoco sign as he is running out of gas. It's beautiful uh, because they thought that they had three laps of gas for some reason at a road course, which is ludicrous. Yeah, uh, that's, somebody, somebody's getting fired for that one. Yeah. The Xfinity Series race had uh, what was my fa- one of my favorite things the entire season, which was um, Sam Mayer, uh, who's a you know, regular Xfinity Series driver, um, has a long, hatred-filled rivalry with Ty Gibbs, who is uh, Joe Gibbs' grandson. That's Joe Gibbs, the Super Bowl coach of the former Washington R's, um, and now uh, the man behind Joe Gibbs Racing, and his grandson is a an Xfinity Series champion who's now on the playoff bubble in NASCAR Cup Series, and Ty Gibbs is uh, a little piece of shit um, who's compared himself to Jesus after intentionally wrecking a good other guy in the past. That was mm. cool. Um, and, Very Jesus-y. And this time... Um, you know, impeded Sam Mayer at one point during the race, and Mayer gets on his radio and he's complaining about it to his crew chief. And the crew chief says, "Well, if he would have, you know, if, if you're in the same spot, you would do the same thing to him." And he goes, 10 fucking four." And wouldn't you know it? <laughs> after the ten fucking four, Sam Mayer got his chance, dumped Ty Gibbs, and then still had to like go like race for for the win. Beat Sheldon Creed for the win. Um, gets out of the car, gives an absolute dog crap interview, <laughs> where he winds up just saying, "Like I think we can all agree that it's good that an Xfinity Series driver won this race." Like, uh, okay, you just mean not Ty Gibbs, uh, right. which fine, good for you. And then Ty Gibbs gets out of his car, and this is this is where you need to be more of a veteran in this and learn. Um, how to shit talk, which is he goes, well, you know, I've got more, I've got more, he's got more starts than me. I've got more wins than him. Um, I'm driving on Sundays and he's not. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that for what it is. Yeah. You can call it a racing incident or whatever, but what Ty Gibbs has to do there is just go, I don't know. I'm already thinking about tomorrow and just leave it at that. Right. Not actually even acknowledge. Right, you don't engage it that much. Yeah, because now he, you let him know that you are that he's completely under your skin, um, and that is. I want to see somebody make Max Verstappen that mad somehow. That is the one thing that I want to see. Even if even if Max wins every race, I want to see him that mad 
Somehow. Who could make Max Verstappen the angriest, and how would they do it? I mean, I think Lewis, it's Lando. You think it's Lando? I'm pretty sure it's Lando. I feel like that's a good submission. There is some I, sort of homoerotic tension between the two of them that um, <laughs> makes me think that he could get under his get like get on his nerves in a way that no one else can. Well, I mean, let's be real. Lando's kind of a little bitch, so. That's not surprising. Um, that's an interesting, because this is the thing, right? Like, they've been friends for a really long time. So it's that thing of, like, does that mean that he wouldn't get that mad? Or does that mean that he would absolutely get that much more mad? Specifically because Lando would know exactly how to make him as mad as possible. Because, like, he doesn't get, like, when he and Charles were really going toe-to-toe before Ferrari stepped on a series of rakes last year, he made a very pointed comment after one race. It was like, well, it's nice to just have like some good hard racing. The implication being that like his shit with Lewis was like too much and whatever. Like he didn't like racing against Lewis because Lewis took him too seriously or whatever. Um, but when it was Charles, he was like, no, this is great fun. Like, oh, you know, it's nice to just have some racing. So Charles can't do it. Like he's, I don't, he, that, that relationship is not such that he can make Max that mad, but Lando might I be able to. I honestly feel like Charles kind of like, I feel like both he doesn't want to and he doesn't have it in him. Like, I just don't think, I think that he's too like wrapped up in his own trauma <laughs> to like really be out there, like trying to make Max mad. No, because Charles' biggest rival is his own fucking team. Exactly, exactly. He doesn't have the spare emotional energy to deal with anybody else. Right, like that's enough for him to be taking on. I sent Brit this this forever ago, but I think about it all the time. It was some like fan cam. I don't even remember what it was, but like kind of making fun of Charles. And the top comment was just like, please leave the Lord alone. He is dealing with so much. (laughs) It's got a lot going on right now. (laughs) And that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like if someone was like, Charles, have you ever tried, like, have you ever considered, like, really trying to piss Max off? Like, you are, like, you know, maybe you could do it. Right, he'd be like, like, why? Yeah, I think he would be like, what? (laughs) Right, like, I just think it wouldn't even occur to him. He's like, that's why I don't care. Yeah. And I think also as far as he's concerned, like, if he loses, he doesn't really care who it's to. Like, he lost. That's yeah. that's what matters more than anything. He doesn't really care whether he lost to Max or he lost to Checo or he lost to whoever. Outside of like if there's a specific points implication or something, but like he doesn't really care otherwise. Like he wants to win, and that's sort of the beginning and the end of it. And uh, it's not I, happening. And it's, and it's not happening. But yeah, but well, I, I I do feel like some of them. I think Lando is one of them. Have more spite. <laughs> Spite. Yeah, there's there's more personal animosity involved than that. No, I feel like Lando, like, I feel like Lando would, like, wake up in the morning and be like, I want to fuck up Max today. Right, like, he, <laughs> right. He would he'd just decide, be like, you know what I want to do today? 
that makes Lando, I think, uh, very appealing to Red Bull um, in the future. Uh, just to oh, be God. the, the be... driver that they want to have in the other car. Like, they want the competition to be so the two Red Bulls, I think. Oh, like, 100%. It, like, they would enjoy that more than just having the one guy. Now it's about Max Verstappen. It's not about the greatness of the team. It's about, I mean, if it is, it's also the car, but. No, but I, yeah. but I think, I think Christian Horner particularly, it's getting like, he's a little sick of it. Yeah. Like, like he's kind of, I, I get the impression that he's kind of reaching the end of his rope, that like, he's kind of tired of hearing Max, Max bitch about everything. <laughs> and he's kind of just tired of it. Like he kind of just would like to talk about literally anything else at this point. I mean, the pit stop training. Can we get some pit stop practice? Oh my god! Right? Maybe that's who Jesus can make Max the maddest. Oh, I got. But by getting to that question of who can yeah. make Max the maddest, I got off the original NBC, thing, which was NBC, NBC, and then take that back to why I think ESPN might be the lawful good. The lawful is basically because they do. They have a contract. They fill that contract. They don't do really much more or much less. They have a contract, and it's to the letter. And it's good because they are giving us these races commercial-free and also somehow managing to have something that is on ESPN without ESPNing all over it. <laughs> like, they have... Whether it's as a result of the contract, a result of pandemic shit a result of whatever. They went through that at the end of that season, um, you know, coming down with Lewis and Max. And the sports popularity was going through the roof with Drive to Survive. And you would think that that would be the time that we would have, you know, the next year would be like starting with college college game day Abu Dhabi, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, like, and college game day Paku. Yeah. <laughs> They show us the race. College game day is Singapore. No, we're not getting that. I would love oh to see God. it in some way, but in a way that is like, I'd love F1 game day. If that was a thing that could exist in a way that's not Kirk Herb's treaty. Well, sort of I the just closest think- we get to it is the, the U.S. Grand Prix. Like, they, the Austin coverage is always a little bit different. They have way more people yeah. on the ground. It's closer. And, you know, it's in fucking Texas. So there's, it's more of the uh, college game day demographic than your average <laughs> Formula One race. And yeah, that, yeah, I, I, guess, I wonder what Vegas will be like. Yeah, I guess that's like, that's oh sort my of God. the closest. I'm like but not emotionally prepared for this Vegas race. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> and then the. Who would be the Lee Corso of F1 game day? Oh, God. Who would be the Lee Corso of F1 game day? Joss Verstappen. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just trying to think of who would who would be most inclined to, like, put on a giant mascot hat every week. Jackie Stewart would absolutely do it. 100%. Yes. Yes. And... I think, you know what, we should actually get ESPN on the 
this because this this might be worthwhile. If you can cast it right without the years, we can learn from where College Game Day has let us down in, in certain ways over time. We can build a better, faster, stronger, uh, <laughs> more international College Game Day, but with race cars. Um, I, I think Nico Rothberg would be sneakily fucking hysterical. Oh, yeah. Like, but, it, but in a deeply chaotic way, and in a way where like he probably wouldn't be meaning to. It would just be fantastic No, it would just, be, it would just be crazy. Right. And it they would just know be that amazing. They would, like, they would like institute a thing where they would be like, Okay, who'd you take the selfie with this week? Right, right. It would become a whole bit, and he would like only sort of understand, which would be perfect. Um. Okay, so I feel like we said Williams is lawful good slash and ESPN. I, do, I say I think the argument for ESPN is very strong. I think it's very good. I think it's very strong. Um. Neutral good, I feel like, is – I don't know. What do you guys think about neutral good? I was going to say Haas on First Instinct, but they're too chaotic. Yeah, they I, I would chaotic. say Haas is, is true neutral, honestly. Because I, mean, I never think about them. I was going to say <laughs> – well, and this is the thing, right? They used to be much more chaotic when it was like, oh, no, the Russian oligarch that has his name all over our car's got – got sanctioned and now we have to fire his kid and repaint the cars like it was and when it was just like a battle to see who could crash the car worse every week i think i think it's they're sort of like go girl give us nothing now though i think i think neutral good is alpine yeah i can see that i can see that yeah honestly also because i never think about them yeah. Similarly, Zhou yeah, um, Guan Yu for me is is sort of in that spot. Like, could be. Yeah, something, Al- Alpha Alpha Romeo is a very good Alpha Romeo. Uh, it may be Alpha more than Alpine because Alpine at least had a little bit of. They had their, well, their little Oscar Piastri drama, and like Esteban gets sassy occasionally. They're very French, like. Yeah, they're so French. The thing I want more than anything is I just want them to hire Cyril back and just be yeah. as aggressively French as possible. Yeah, and I think that Alpha, you know, they're Italian, but they're not Ferrari Italian. Now, yeah, they're 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 like, like kind of Italian. It's like, yeah, okay. They're from they're from Italy. Like Right, right. I feel like Ferrari like, is neutral evil. No, there's way too. Come on, there, there's way too much chaos involved there. Yeah. No, that's there. Who else is more chaotic? No one else is like more. No one else. Chaotic is more- neutral for Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. Ferrari yeah chaotic, chaotic neutral. neutral. That's I, that's 100 right. You're so right. Um, and I do feel like both Charles and Carlos have a chaotic neutral streak to them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As a self-identifying chaotic neutral, <laughs> not to be the biggest nerd in the world. Um, right. I identify with that. It's really just that they both sort of sit there and then and Charles could like drift more towards towards chaotic good and Carlos could drift more towards chaotic evil. Yeah. Fundamentally both just live in that in between. Yeah. 
I love them so much. I am going to do a spell for them to do something fucking God, interesting okay, in, the, but, in the rest of the season. God, please. I have to say, though, um, since we, we mentioned Alpine, I just want to make sure that everyone else saw the McLaren uh, debacle, that it's just a, a rehashing of the reverse of the Oscar Piastri scenario. Wait, what, what's happening? Oh, Oh, hold on. I will. <laughs> Is so, this with the with the IndyCar driver? Yes. Oh, I have been following this a bit, but I would yes. love for you to explain the details to me. I mean, yeah, so, I, I'm not clear on the details. Yeah, I have so no idea what's going on here. Okay, so um, Alex Palau had a contract with McLaren. It was <laughs> supposed to be theoretically. Uh, driving for the their IndyCar team. Um, and he decided to jump ship, effectively. And there, there are... It's very similar to the Oscar Piastri scenario in that There, it's sort of a gray area and a contract and it's one team saying, well, we put this money into developing you and getting you ready to do this. And now uh, you're saying, oh, we're not going to do it. Basically, uh, McLaren is saying, well, you, you had a contractual obligation and Palau is going to go to Chip Ganassi rather than with McLaren next year. Um, and it's just very, it's very chaotic. There's there's a lot of details that aren't totally clear because it has to do with like uh, specifics of contracts. I saw something that basically the the real issue was that he had he was supposed to wait until September first to go, like to work out a deal with another team, so he was three weeks earlier or something. Where it's just very like it is very reminiscent of the Oscar Piastri scenario but it is just intensely funny to see Zach Brown get all offended about uh, the sanctity of contractual obligations and and oh we put all this money into this driver while signing Oscar Piastri's paycheck like <laughs> my dude There's... my dude like come on now like I get they... it from a business perspective but Zach Brown as a, as a person being the the mouthpiece of all of this is just intensely funny, and all that's going to happen is that they're going to get Alex Palau to give them some money. Like that's all it's going to come down to. They want to recoup some money that they think they're owed. Um, I kind of also feel like McLaren is chaotic neutral. There's a lot of chaotic neutrals on the grid. McLaren I, I is definitely chaotic. Something. <laughs> I think McLaren's chaotic evil. You, yeah, if you could make the argument. I, 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 would, I would go. I would go. Red Bull lawful evil, Mercedes neutral evil, and McLaren chaotic evil. I think Mercedes is more more lawful than Red Bull. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, but I think that that's a good. I think that's a good evil three trio, though. Yes. Because the the thing with Mercedes is that they're so fucking German about it. Like, like they're the ones who were like, who would go to Red Bull and be like, "You're go to the stores and be like, their their back spoiler is 
one eighth of a millimeter too low. <laughs> and like, I granted every team will do that to an extent, but like Mercedes just does it with a certain extreme waffle Germanicness to it. <laughs> yeah, and and I do feel like Mercedes as a neutral evil feels feels about right because they're Mercedes. But there's Toto, but there's also Lewis Hamilton being hot and inspirational, and then there's George. <laughs> he's George, Lewis, George Russell he's is like George. a Ringo star of, of, of Mercedes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. but is, is, is George more Ken or is he Alan? Honestly, George no, is Barbie. Ken. Yeah, Ken. No, I, I, okay, I have, I feel like George is Barbie. George is Barbie. <laughs> George is Barbie. Like, George but, is Barbie to his core. Barbie is he? But, it, but if anybody is, and he's just, in, in, that, in any scenario, it's George. He's just, George. <laughs> he's just George. I just feel like he has such he has such a he has such a drama streak in him and like such main character syndrome that's like not necessarily earned that like <laughs> is just so Barbie. <laughs> no disrespect to the Barbies. I'm a Barbie, obviously. I've got it too. <laughs> I am it's, the it's, Barbie. It's funny because I don't I don't get that from him at all. I just George is, George is so nothing to me. Not in a bad way. He's just like, he's, he's a nice English boy, okay? Like, Ugh. his most interesting characteristic is his extremely cool girlfriend. Yeah, I just he's, feel... And, and his extremely expensive sweater collection. He is the, the not Ryan Gosling cat. The, the Simu Luke He's a... Or, or any of the other any side of the Kens. other Kens. The side Kens. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I guess I just feel like he has this streak of like, I don't know. He has this streak of real. Um, I think it's. I, I think. I think it's just me getting annoyed that he's British. To be completely honest, he's just like so <laughs> posh. Like he's just like so. He is the. He is the most English human being I've seen in a very I'm long just time. Like, uh, you know, like like there's nothing in it for me. It's it's just a little. It's just a little much. And then meanwhile, like Charles and Carlos are like the most like old money like. <laughs> I'm like, mm, yes, yum, yum, yum. Right, right. <laughs> They're old money, not British. <laughs> right. money, That's not a difference. Critically, critically. Continental <laughs> makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah, right. It's Spain and Monaco. You know what? And that's so much better on both fronts. I miss them. Honestly. We're almost back. British money should be a, a misnomer. Because um, if you have the kind of money to be money, um, the first thing that you should be doing is going somewhere with better weather than fucking England. Come why, on. Why the fuck are you there? Especially now. Why are you on Normal Island having the least normal time ever about fucking everything? Yeah. Just, no. It's, uh, something's off. 
with all of that. So, um, England, I mean, don't trust England. it. England. Don't, don't trust it. Don't trust um, it. Here's a question. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about who has not been brought up yet. And, uh, what do we want to? Where the hell does Aston Martin belong on this? Because they're certainly not good. No, they're like neutral evil, maybe. Yeah, I feel like they belong on the evil alignment. Like purely for the whole billionaire buying his yes doofus son yes job yes sense. purely for the Lance Stroll of it all. Lance. <laughs> 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 and you know what? I say that as like increasingly, I do root for Lance Stroll. Like, I, like, I know. No, I like Lance. And this is the thing on the subject of self awareness, I think Lance has just enough self awareness to be cognizant of the fact that he is like the spoiled rich kid among the spoiled rich kids. Like, as much as everyone there, almost with very uh, only a couple of exceptions, sort of bought their way in to a degree because you have to. He knows that he's like the extra special case there. He gets it. Like he's not going to turn it down. But you, I always do get the sense that like he knows everybody's kind of looking at him like, okay. No, yeah, he always has this like little like sheepish look on his face. He's always like, yeah, like um, my dad said that. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I just, like, it is, like, endearing to me a little bit. I totally agree. There's a level that I feel like he's a little sheepish about, like, the whole situation. Right. But I also feel like he's just, like, he's still Lance Stroll, you know? Like, it doesn't make it less funny. (laughs) Right. It doesn't make it less funny. Exactly. I just, I I find it funny rather than, like, actively disliking him. Like, I might, if he was more of a dick. Like, if he was Nikita Mazepin, it would be like, fuck off. You you have identified the key difference between British and Canadian. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. We we yes. found our spectrum. Yes. Oh God bless. Um, I have to say on the subject of he's just so British though. I have to tell the story. So I went to see Follow Boy a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine because we are late thirties, early forties, uh, former email scene kid millennial so legally we're contractually obligated i think actually it's in the fine print which is you follow boy um aside from the fact that like i'm too old to go to concerts on a weeknight now like oh my god but one of one of the openers was bring me the horizon Uh, i i'm not their target audience the the entire set was a skinny british man in leather pants with bad tattoos screaming at me to like sing along or jump or whatever and at one point i looked at my friend and i said i'm sorry but i'm genetically incapable of doing something just because a british man told me to Like seventy-five percent of my genetic history is Irish and Scottish. I, I'm physically incapable of looking at some poncy, presumptuous British jackass and deciding, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll do whatever annoying thing he's telling me to." So that was my. There was so. a video I saw of Killian Murphy meeting um, 
I can't remember which of the princes it was. I I was much more focused on Killian Murphy. Oh my god! Um, they, they let him be royalty. Royalty, and oh. and it was so funny. They it's literally him being like like smiling, like shaking the hand, and then like immediately like being like <laughs> <laughs> like immediately looking like, so pissed I, off, just like. I'm- <laughs> I want a super cut of all of the times in interviews when someone has referred to him as British when he's been like, no, no, I'm, Irish. I mean, there, there was one interview and I can't remember who was doing the interviewing where the, the interviewer started by saying, well, as a British, blah, 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 blah. And he leans forward and he's like, I'm Irish. And she's like, okay, well, but the British Commonwealth, I'm Irish. Uh, well, okay. But the United I'm Irish. Like he, he interrupted and corrected this poor interviewer like four or five times before the, the interviewer finally was like, all right, fine. Next question. And just like moved on. No, I, I, I people do that to Charles too. I've seen was, videos of people being like, uh, you know, as uh, aren't you, you know, as a French person. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, not French. Not, not French. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Not French. <laughs> Uh, and then the interview, there was one where the interviewer was like, you speak French though, right? And he was like, yep, different country though. <laughs> <laughs> right. They speak, Fra- they speak French a lot of places, funny enough. It's almost like colonialism does that kind of thing. It's it almost, and it's not, even fucking Switzerland is like, yeah, sure, speak French. Like, it's. Yeah. I mean, I, I do also need to say that we need to pop, prop up Charles being from Monaco more just to be able to use and be, whoever writes for the F1 website and app does it a lot as the adjective uh, the demonym Monegasque Monegasque it's such a good word yeah such, why would you pass so on that cooler. to call somebody French oh French. absolutely boring boring Monegasque delightful chic <laughs> interesting come on now Monegasque right just to like go back to the beginning of this conversation, I I saw a video of Charles at the club singing a song and dancing, and rightfully people in the comments were like, "Let him live, let him be on vacation, stop right. filming him." And I was like, "Yeah." And then I watched it fifteen times. Right, right. <laughs> yes, stop doing this. But also now that you have, I'm not gonna not watch. He it. looked like- so cute, and it just made me miss seeing him in his little red suit and it made me just remember that Charles is what got me into this and he's what will carry me along this dark and wonderful ride. God bless. <laughs> Charles, is, Charles is Garrett Cole at this point for me because uh, Garrett Cole is the only reason I'm even remotely continuing to acknowledge the Yankees at this point. Similarly, the only reason Ferrari has not gotten uh, thrown into my mental trash heap is because of Charles. So, Where are we at in the mental trash heap right now as far as uh, all of our sports? Are, are any of us doing okay? Yeah. You know, I was... I was grudgingly. Yes. No, okay. Look, the Yankees are dead to me. I mean, I'm pretending they don't exist anymore. It's fine. Um, but, well, the, but the Giants are all young and they're losing, but they're still in wild card. Like they're still in a wild card spot. And just just several hours ago, Kyle Harrison made his first start and did great. 
and it, Patrick Bailey is um, my my new emotional support catcher. So things are going very well for me out here, actually. I, I I happen to live in a city that has the best team in the American League, so I'm doing great, actually. Yeah, the, the Orioles are like really the place to be right now. The 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 or when when fucking Gunnar Henderson took a double instead of a single for the cycle on Sunday. I was watching that. He hit it, and I'm, I immediately I was like, "Oh, is he gonna is he gonna stop, or is he gonna actually?" Because it was it was pretty obvious off the bat that like he could have gotten more than more than it, a single out it's of also, it. It's also rare. It's a because um, someone was saying it's only happened like forty four times where someone has hit a dub multiple doubles right. on a home run. Right, because the single's the easy part. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was. Uh, they're, the Orioles are, are a good time, and they are they are very much my secondary rooting interest. As soon as as uh, as much as I as much as Angelos is a massive piece of shit, um, the oh vibes God. of the Orioles are have never been higher. And honestly, the vibes of the White Sox haven't been higher at least all year. Because uh, sayonara, Rick fucking Han. Eat oh my- God, I. I will say this. I don't know how much Jerry Reinsdorf is in his own world on this, but it is dreadfully funny for the White Sox to finally fire Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, and then the Yankees go out and lose their ninth straight ballgame to the Washington Nationals. Like, like, could there, like, I know that Jerry and George Steinbrenner went way back. Um, so it is, if in any way that is Jerry further piling on everybody else, piling on Hal Steinbrenner for what a schmuck he is, and if if that is even a fact, a, a fraction of the reason that the White Sox did their firings, um, that is particularly hilarious to me. Just. Jesse, how's your trash heap? That's how you're feeling about the Yankees. <laughs> uh, the Yankees are a trash heap. That's are a trash heap. The uh, no, Liberty's great. That's that's who's great is the Liberty. Sunderland is off to a fucking horrible start. Um, oh yeah, Liberty, go Liberty. <laughs> and importantly, we are just around the quarter from football season, which. Uh, yeah, red zone will be here. So and, uh, I I am so close to having two solid days a week when I can do nothing but watch sports that I that only like one to two maybe three games I have any actual rooting interest in. The rest of them I can just enjoy and not care. I personally, okay, I miss. I miss some of our old Mets. I have not really like, I, I, I feel like there's been some trades that have happened, you know, over the years, some like big trades, the Jacob deGrom trade. I'm like, I get it. Love ya. Wish we signed ya. And I haven't missed him a day since. I've thought about the good times, but I'm not like, I wish Jacob deGrom was a Met. I, I, yeah. I guess I do a little bit, you know what I mean? But I saw a, a highlight of Max Scherzer pitching as a ranger and i was like ouch like i miss max scherzer that was fun when he was a met and i had like just settled into like really like 
loving him. Um, Justin Verlander, I literally don't remember that he was a Met at all. That was like a joke. I, <laughs> that was like fake. And I called it on this podcast. I said, Justin Verlander is going to be useless for the Mets this year. Um, but I'm having, I don't know. I know this, Jesse, and you kind of referenced this earlier. I know this. I know this is a Mets stage. The fake comeback. I know it. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. this year, I think because I know it so well, I know exactly what it is. I feel like I'm having a little bit of fun. I'm like, it's here. There's like something to, you know, like I turned the game on yesterday and I was like, yes, we're playing. A, we're playing the Braves and we're hitting home runs and we got the SNY booth on their best their best behavior and you know it just like felt good to be it felt good to be with the Mets and it felt good to like be a little delusional about the Mets it felt good to have any feeling about the Mets at all and of course with the happiness comes the sadness I'm like I miss Mark Canna like oh I miss Mark Canna also Pete Alonso is gonna hit Close to, yeah, he's going to hit at least 40 because he just needs one more for that. And if he gets hot, he could chase 50, you know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's something fun. to enjoy. That's incredible. In, in the end of an otherwise stupid, shitty season. And yeah. um, I love Kodai Senga. I love Kodai Senga. He has Senga. been everything advertised and more. Um, I look forward to him being the actual ace of the staff or yeah. whatever anything he's my favorite Mets pitcher now that's the thought that I had the other day he's my favorite Mets pitcher and it's it's like kind of wonderful you know uh, there is still kind of this like beating heart of the Mets for me that's like Pete Alonso Jeff McNeil Brandon Nimmo Francisco Lindor like it's them and they're there and you know, it, it's just kind of like I just had a moment of being like, it's nice to have my late August Mets delusion. Like, here we are again. Well, so can we get a a late September Ferrari delusion going? I, I would do anything for it. I would do anything to be like, that's actually a perfect comparison because I was ready to like live and die with Ferrari. Everyone's like preparing me for this like emotional journey. And it's like, I haven't even been on the journey. It's just been like, well, and it's, it's funny because I feel like uh, I am constantly saying to other people, not like to people privately, not to people on the internet, but constantly saying to people about the giants in particular, like, just you can just enjoy it like you don't have to be preemptively assuming they're going to lose literally every game the uh, not ironic ironic guess that guess the game's over when they give up a run in the second inning or something like you don't have to live like that you really don't and i i like that's so real I hate that about people. I have like blocked people on Twitter for it before because I just find it so fucking tedious. And I find myself absolutely doing it for, about Ferrari because they have given me no reason 
to have even like a shred of hope. You've you've been open and and I think it's it's worthwhile to talk about not watching the races when it gets to that level. Totally. You're not putting yourself through that shit no. because it's not worth it. That is right. Right. That I'm would not, be a waste of your time as a fan. I am not getting up at six o'clock on a Sunday morning to not enjoy watching Max Verstappen win another race. Like if I can't, yeah. I can't find it in myself to enjoy the rest of it, knowing that Max is going to win, then I'm just, I'm, I'll pass. I'll watch the highlights, whatever. Like, which I guess sort of is at least taking my own medicine in that regard. Cause that's the thing that I always tell people, like you could go do something else with your time. Like no one is making you be here for this. Well, I think that um, it's like, I completely agree. I don't know if I would want to be waking up at six o'clock in the morning for this, like the sprint shootout when it has happened. It's been at like six o'clock my time. And I've been like, do I want to wake up to watch this? And I'm like, no, I don't want to wake <laughs> up at six o'clock to watch Max Verstappen <laughs> take pole right. for the sprint race. Like I'm fine. I'm good. I can literally watch it when I wake up and it will be fine. But I do think the difference, like I really went to a place with the Mets who are my, you know, predominant rooting interest of my life, <laughs> allegedly, the fucking New York Mets baby. And I just kind of like went numb to them for the last, the last month at least, maybe the last six weeks even, like didn't really watch the games, like just didn't like couldn't really pay attention to anything that they were doing i missed gary keith and ron more than anything um but it was just like there's there was no reason for me to be like i don't want to turn on the game watch them lose hear them talk about how bad the mets are and like wish that i was watching taskmaster or whatever my like current tv addiction is the thing What'd you say, Lily? I said I love Taskmaster. I love Taskmaster. Taskmaster tickles like a perfect little part of my brain that just makes me feel so calm and relaxed and happy. We need to have a a Taskmaster pod. (laughs) Yeah, I would actually, I would love that. Um, I don't know what this is. Okay, Jesse, we'll we'll give you some, we'll give you a rundown. Yeah. But I do feel like what works for me and what I am really looking forward to no matter what Ferrari does is because the races are at like nine o'clock my time which is a time that I like to wake up right that's a um, normal human time <laughs> right a normal human time you know so and I love like the race for best of the rest is so fascinating in Formula One the like Aston Martin Mercedes McLaren Ferrari a little bit if they can like wake up like even like even like Williams is like starting to like try and like get themselves up in it they like and so I think it's just like a there's like a lot of interesting stuff going on like beyond the Max Verstappen constantly winning and as my partner keeps pointing out it's like okay especially from this moment forward like every moment that Max Verstappen keeps winning is literally him making history. And like that unto itself is like pretty fucking insane. 
My, I think this comes back to to one of the the sort of critical thing, like unique qualities of Formula One. It's because it is one race. It's not like it's five head to head races. It's one race, which makes it much harder, I think, to let yourself let yourself enjoy it the same way because it's not like with baseball where hey, on any given day they might win this game. Yeah. That win might not yeah. mean anything, but in that moment, you can enjoy that win. There's no, there's not a lot of equivalent to that in Formula One. Like you very much have to make it for yourself, and the broadcasts do not do themselves any favors. They really don't. They they make it so hard to actually appreciate a lot of what's going on in the midfield or in the back, even. And like some of those more interesting battles and whatever, half of that stuff you only really appreciate watching highlights and stuff later because they just ignore it to watch Max lead by forty-five seconds. I wonder. I, I wonder how much of that does stem from you know they give you at the beginning of every race because it's coming from Sky. Uh, they give you that thing where like you can go watch the in car cam of, of any driver you want with this uh, with right. the red button that no American has. Right, red button that you only have if you're in the UK. Oh, the I general want broadcast. So I feel like should still be telling the overall story of the race. Which yes, and and you saw this. You know, NASCAR obviously has playoffs. But this is where I want to get back to, you know, NBC doing the, the job that they did on Sunday. Right. They did not spend the whole race talking about how William Byron was kicking everybody's ass. They would, you right. know, talk about him from time to time and, you know, put it also in perspective of, of what it was doing with the playoff picture. But they were covering, you know, who who was racing, you know, for eighth and, and 16th. And you know what that meant to various people through the field and in, in right. terms of their season. Right. And I think I think that's what's missing. Because again, it's it's when you're talking about baseball and you've got so many teams that make the playoffs and you've got so many individual games happening all the time. It's just a lot easier to stay engaged if your team isn't one of the two or maybe three like juggernaut teams that year there's still a lot to keep you in it. Whereas like it, it, the production is lacking to, to give you that same experience in formula one that they've figured out how to do for NASCAR. Yeah. And NASCAR's got drivers too. Like, like there's, there's even more things to watch in NASCAR. Right. And they're like, and, and somehow, yeah, that's the one thing I noticed in Formula One where it's like, it's like they keep watching Max. It's like he's up nine seconds on everybody. <laughs> right. You're like, there's no, there's nothing happening there. It's just to do like, driving really fast it's, now. Like in NASCAR, when someone's, someone's, you know, passing all the lap cars, they're not looking at him because they don't care. They're looking at the, you know, the guys fighting for, you know, 17th because right. that you know, that's not the storyline clearly. So we can pay attention to something else. That was what I wanted to ask you, Lily, was yeah, this being sort of your intro to F1 this season, has the broadcast done a good enough job of showing you this sport? So I think part of the reason I ended up 
you know, with McLaren as opposed to Williams, like we were talking, you know, when we originally decided, because it was like, at least they're talking about McLaren sometimes. They, you know, they're not talking about anyone in the, you know, outside of the top 10 ever, really, unless something stupid or crazy happens. And the broadcast is interesting. It, it's just... I don't know. It, the, the broadcast leaves a lot to be desired, honestly. I do feel like the something happens at least once a week where there's an overtake, and I'm like, where? When? Why did you not show it to us? Like, <laughs> that's literally the most important thing that could happen in the race. <laughs> Somebody winning. <laughs> Well, I that's feel like an, we've go. No, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm saying that that's just an amazing thing that is, I think, true to any racing circuit is that the instant that you look away is when the interesting thing is going to happen, and that that right. is that is always going to apply. Like, oh, we missed the overtake because we, we cut to something for 30 seconds, and that is when the one interesting thing happened. That's always the one. And, and, right. The nature of live sports is that there's always going to be a certain amount of that. That's fine. I think, but like, you have to try. You know what I mean? I feel like Formula One has kind of been like, I oh, know, we'll just, we'll just watch Max. It's fine. Well, I think it's very fun that, um, we have actually already fixed this problem. We invented F1 College Game Day already. We on did. This episode. So we solved this problem. Problem already. Because I think that would fix it. That's it. Maybe. Where would that go on the grid? Did we finish? We did not finish. We'll have to come back to our grid. Uh, well, I think the problem chart. is that I think we discovered again that it's basically like a lot of the teams are chaotic. We don't we don't have really like a like a neutral good team like a right. like a you know like it's just very it's a whole. What's fun is it's an entire sport skewed towards chaos and evil. And evil. And evil. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Plus, I, I, I can't joking, wait for it to come back. I jokingly described it as Real Housewives of Silverstone to someone a while ago, and that's a perfect description. Yeah, I was like, yeah. As I said it, I was like, yeah, no, that's absolutely that is exactly what I meant. Thank you, because it it is just that exact sort of reality TV, rich people doing crazy shit. Like it's it's that only a sport. Well, God bless everybody. Uh, what's everyone's prediction? One prediction for the second half of the season to send us off on. Oh, Max Verstappen will come in second in a race to someone who isn't from Red Bull. I oh, okay. uh, more beautiful words have never once been spoken. Love it, love it. I don't know who wins that race. I don't know why they win that race. I don't know how they win that race. But Max Verstappen will, will finally he'll he'll win the next five, but his he's he's gonna finally lose a race at some point. 
What I like about that prediction is that you say too that he's going to come in second, meaning he he finishes the race because I have long suspected that like if he doesn't win a race, it's going right. to be because it, he crashed the car. Right. It's, yeah, a, it's a DNF, not because he didn't. Yeah. So you really like the idea of him finishing second. My prediction is that he's like blows a tire qualifying and starts 15th and like makes it up to, he like, he does his first stop, his max thing where he like catches up, but he catches up short of where. Can't, can't quite up. complete the comeback. Oh my God. That would be incredible actually. It would be. It would be. That would be so beautiful. Fall of max. Imagine, imagine if it was Carlos signs at the front. <laughs> This is this is how we get Max mad at Lando. Oh my god! There you go. That Carlos winning a race where like Max and Lando battle it out is some like someone will die. Oh yeah, pretty sure it'll be Max having a heart attack. You know, I I do I I will say I increasingly I'm really rooting for Oscar Piastri. I love him. He is great. A lovely, lovely little wallaby of a human. I think he's so I love that he's just like a stone cold killer. Like <laughs> you know, like Carlos Sainz is like freaking out and screaming on the radio when they like run when like Carlos runs into him and Oscar Piastri gets on the radio and he's like, I don't know. He acted like I didn't exist. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. He acted like I didn't even exist. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say we are going to get you're going to get an Aussie on a podium. I'm not going to commit to which of them it is. Ooh. But one of them is going to find a way to do it. it it's it's. it's- it's, it's going to be Oscar. Yeah, it's Piastri. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Oscar. look, the, the Alpine or the, the AlphaTauri car is shit. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be Oscar. But you never know, um, though. We we could, there, we haven't had a lot of those really chaotic, like, what the fuck is happening races yet. There's still so much time. There's still so much time. And there's still so much, there's still so many places that are that have been known to have, like, weird weather or just like weird well, shit generally and i've said this before but like i still have I, I i've continually felt like we've had a lot of races that have teetered on the edge of chaos and not fully right. descended for right. whatever reason right so I, I just feel like at some point like it's like the coin has to fall the other way. We can't right. get we're, out of it every time. We're owed a couple. They can't keep getting away away with this, right? I can't keep uh, getting away with this. Um, I will ask a related question. Uh, Brit, specifically, you would have the better answer. You would be the most likely person here to have the answer to this. When's the last time University of Georgia lost a football game? Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> not not recently enough, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. It's been a couple of years. It, it's been a hot minute, yeah. It. It doesn't have to end when you are that much better than everybody else. There are certainly times where it can. So I think that my uh, 
my hot take here is that uh, Master Stappen is going to win every single race for the rest of the season. Honestly, I Jesse, that counts as a hot take. So, that's just like that's so like just like fundamentally obviously true. It should be a hot take, but it's not. Like No, right, it actually okay. seems like the only reasonable thing that's been said so far. Right. Here's Here's why it's a hot take. Because I am saying it and speaking it as a prediction, there is no way that it is actually going to happen. Therefore, wow. like if, if, but I'm trying, I'm trying to reverse jinx or reverse jinx into another reverse jinx. Wow! Wow! By calling this a hot take? It's like seven-dimensional chess here. Okay, yeah. the actual hot... It, do you want the take on... What, what other take do you want, then, if I, if I actually... Um, what's your craziest... What's your, like... What's your, like, oh, I want it to be true, but it's a little bit insane take? Do you guys really think that he's actually going to win every single race and yeah. not have a fuck-up? Yeah. I, yes and no. I mean, like, I don't know that I would put money on it because there are a lot of ways that things can go slightly wrong. Like, somebody somebody knocks him into a wall and the car, yeah. you know, he has to retire the car Please, Lance Stroll, please. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine if Lance so Stroll... I mean, Lance Stroll would never be high enough up. It would have to be, it would have to be like Carlos Sainz running into Max Verstappen in the first lap and the car has to be retired... Can right. you imagine the bedlam? <laughs> Just the sheer chaos of it all. Can you imagine the radios of people being like, Max is out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, we do have a – I just have to at least note, we've got a lot going on in the stars astrologically as the F1 returns. We're in – we're, we're, we've entered Virgo season, which should be, you know, it should be nice and orderly. But we've got Mercury retrograde. We've got Venus retrograde. We've got overlap between the two. And we've got a second full moon coming at the end of August. So um, this all happening as Formula One returns to racing feels. So what you're saying is look perfect. going to race. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so what you're saying is Logan Sargent's good. Oh my god, oh my god, oh, oh my god. god. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, I've said before that one of my hot takes is that Logan Sargent is going to get at least one. Logan Sargent is going to get one point before the season is over. Um, or no, I said Logan Sargent was going to be driver of the day because I think he'll get one point and that will make him driver of the day. Oh yes. my god. But I think... I have a hot take that uh, um, I think that I'm sorry. I'm something's really ruminating here that I'm trying to to catch on that I'm feeling a bit psychic about. I think that I might think that like Oscar Piastri is going to finish higher in the standings than Lando. 
Where are the standings at? How long? Okay. I think that's that's part of my struggle here to come up with a, a truly hot take. Is I just haven't been vibing with it in the same way as they are on the break. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel like I need to get back into their energy. So Lando Norris currently has 69 points. Nice. How many nice. times do you think he said that? Oh, like a Meanwhile, minimum of two dozen. Oscar, Oscar Piastri 34. has 34. So if Lando crashes More than a car, I would have expected. Well, because Oscar didn't finish that last one. So I feel like that kind of fucked him. And Lando was on the podium. So if the reverse happens... And Oscar ends up on a podium and Lando crashes out, which feels entirely possible. On entirely. Yeah. Oscar could really get up there. And that would be intensely fascinating. funny. Intensely and I think it would funny. be really, it's just going to be really interesting to see, like, you know, is there ever a moment? They've been getting a lot of team orders. Is there ever a moment where Oscar right. gets favorable orders? Probably not, but probably not. But I think it would be really fun, and I see this all as, as kind of like a Lando girly. Like I love that like petulant prince. You know, I think he's a little bitch, and I love him for that. A little bitch, but I love uh, like I think he would probably be one of the easiest ones to make angry. Like oh, no question. So I kind of want to see it happen. Look, I mean, you're talking about somebody who copped an attitude about Daniel Ricardo of all people. So, yeah, he, he's not hard to piss off. Well, everyone, it's about my bedtime. Yeah. This is wonderful. I can't wait to... Um, I wait. think... You want this one? Fernando Alonso uh, will slip out of the top five. <gasps> oh wow all right there's, there's all right. your hot take we've got a hot take i love it i mean yeah that feels totally possible it does it he feels said, it's spicy but plausible yeah yeah because like lando could get up there 149 yeah lando could get up there oscar could get up there carlos would have to really go on a run but i mean he's I guess higher than both Oscar and Lando, so I should have more faith in him. Yeah. My, my beautiful son. Ninety nine, fifty points behind him. <laughs> okay, so that I'm take resetting. A, that really only takes a couple of races if you do it right. Yeah. I'm resetting my Ferrari attitude. It's great. They're going to win races. They're amazing. They love each other. There's no drama between the boys. It's all smooth sailing and kiss, kiss, kiss. Let's go, Ferrari. The upgrades are real. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Oh, God. Uh, Addie, you are chaotic good. Uh, wow, thanks. Yeah, we love to see it. Uh, it's true. I'm good, aren't I? I'm so full of I'm, I'm so full of love. What can I say? I think we're all yeah. at a good, honestly. Yeah, yeah that, that's think, true. That's probably true. I think so. This has been a chaotically good episode of Well, it's Pod Vroom Vroom. We're working on it. We'll get everything onto it. Once my kids get into school and I can actually have a brain that maybe works a little bit, 
Uh, we'll see what happens. But for now, uh, thank you for listening to this. Most likely in your email on Substack or on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, find us. Tell other people. Listen to 80 plus minutes of, of us doing this, so you must enjoy it. Or really think it sucks and think it sucks so bad that uh, you need to tell other people about it. So either way, let other people in. Let them know that uh, that this is a show that happens. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk in your ear next time. Obviously. Thank you.